When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And, you know, one of the guys who spoiled us last year was Brandon Nimmo. Brandon Nimmo played 151 games last year. And what was so stunning about it was that a year earlier, he played 92. Two years earlier, because we can't look at 2020, he played 69 games. He only had one other year in his career, 2018, when he played 140 games. So in the back of your mind, you worry, okay, Nimmo was great last year and he was healthy last year but could he do it again and one thing that jumped out at me early in spring training was Brandon Nimmo's not playing where the hell is he and I would google news every day or so Brandon Nimmo injury just am I missing something like does Nimmo have a sore ass like a sore hamstring like a a nasal infection like what the hell is going on And I'm reading the other day, and again, I think it was a great work by Tim Britton, I think, wrote it, if I'm not mistaken, that Brandon Nimmo had a formula he found last year that helped him stay on the field. He was using data from this thing called catapult fitness trackers, and it reshaped his workout before and after games and in spring training. Apparently, Nimmo used to just work out too much. (laughs) He used to shag too many fly balls. He used to just tax himself so much that that may may have, because I don't think you ever know for sure, may have contributed to the injuries. The other thing that may have caused this late start to spring training is what happened one year ago. One year ago, we had a lockout. And so spring training was very, very condensed. And so Brandon Nimmo, like everyone else, played far fewer spring training games. And Nimmo looks back at that and says, hey, that that worked because it did. He played 151 games. So it's fascinating, and I love it. I mean, I think it's great because it's going to be really, really important to this team that Brandon Nimmo stays on the field. He's one of the engines of this offense. You could argue he is the engine of this offense because how often he gets on base and he comes back, he plays his first game. I think it was Saturday, walks the first two times up. Like, not, like never missed a beat. Boom, two walks, he's good to go. And that's the beauty in Nimmo. When Brandon Nimmo isn't hitting, and he'll go through stretches where he's not, he's still getting on base. He is still finding a way to get on base. And I was looking back at my scorecard from opening day 2021. That game the Mets played in Philadelphia. They actually blew that game. DeGrom pitched six scoreless innings, Mets lost. And I was looking at the lineup, and it cracked me up. Opening day 2021, Brandon Nimmo was playing, but he was not leading off. He was batting ninth, and Kevin Pillar was leading off. And I I used to think it too. I used to think, boy, Brandon Nimmo is so perfect in the ninth hole. I must have said that a million times. I'm also a sucker for the second leadoff spot. I like having a guy batting ninth who gets on base. But Brandon Nimmo is far better than that. And it it took me a while to accept it. (laughs) It took me a while to finally admit it. And certainly 2021, having a 400 on base percentage certainly helped. But he had done that before. That's the crazy part. It's not like Brandon Nimmo woke up and had a 400 on base percentage for the first time. In fact, last year, 
I think he had one of the lowest on base percentages of his career last year. It was 376, so it was pretty good. I mean, I'm not complaining about it by any stretch. But, yeah, I mean, Brandon Nimmo has kind of proven that he has to be a leadoff hitter. He's got to lead off all the time. Um, are you confident now that Nimmo can play 150 games again or because of what he did last year, or is this workout regimen going to make you believe it too? So I listened to him talk. I believe it was today, his comments uh, with Buck Showalter and uh, just a bunch of, and just the whole team. Uh, uh, they asked him why he didn't go to the World Baseball Classic. And he said, no offense. I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I need, I prefer trying to win a World Series than win a World Baseball Championship. Like it, it's not, it's not the same thing. And what Steve Cohen has done to invest in this team, I think Brandon Nimmo has taken this contract and taken everything that he's done. Like, he's taken this as serious as anybody else. Like, the fact that he hasn't started spring training till or hasn't been in the game till Saturday, I think he's taking this as, like, as, as legitimate as anybody on this team. And he's kind of, like, turning into a new leader. So, yeah, I do think he could pe- play 150 games. And I think he's going to step up and have a bigger season than he's ever had as a New York Met. And we we sort of need him to because the Mets just do not have outfield depth. You know, if something happened, and I don't want to minimize an injury to any of the infielders because it would suck, right? It would it would suck. But in the minor leagues, they potentially would have Brett Beatty. They would potentially have Mark Vientos. They have Ronnie Mauricio. There are options if something, God forbid, happened, knock on wood, to any of these infielders. They do not have depth in the outfield. To the point where it will, and I've said this, will involve infielders playing the outfield. Jeff McNeil would play the outfield. Brett Beatty would play the outfield. Ronnie Mauricio should start to learn how to play the outfield. But Nimmo and Marte specifically, and look, Mark Canna too. But I think in a perfect world, Mark Canna becomes a fourth outfielder. And that's where maybe the emergence of Brett Beatty kind of forces him there. But Brandon Nimmo playing 140 games, Starling Marte playing 130 games, I'll be nicer, I'll I'll be more conservative, is so, so important to this team. Uh, Buck Showalter did an interview with Adam Jones, and what I loved was hearing Buck's baseball ideas. Sometimes I find them annoying because I just want the information on the Mets. Just tell me, does Starling Marte have a concussion, Buck? Just tell me, who's starting opening day? By the way, any update on that? I haven't, I haven't heard a damn word about who's starting opening day. Maybe Buck's superstitious. He's like, I ain't saying somebody's name just so they can get hurt. I ain't saying a damn thing to like a week before opening day. It's going to be Max Scherzer, by the way. That's that's my prediction. So Buck had a handful of ideas about baseball that he mentioned in this interview with Adam Jones. And we'll give you our thoughts. Do we like Buck's ideas or do we dislike Buck's ideas? Number one, Pete's going to love. I'm telling you right now. Hoffie going to love this idea. While he seems to like the pitch clock, he said, why not just shut it off seventh inning? Why not just shut it off in the eighth inning? Like, let's do it for the first part of the game because the pace matters. But when we get to the seventh, eighth, ninth inning, eh, let's just shut it off. So I assume you want to make love to that idea. I'm swimming in the, that idea right now. I love it. I mean, God bless Buck for for being a real baseball purist. That is the smartest <laughs> idea I've ever heard in my life. 
let me just say, as someone who loves the pitch clock, I'm not anti shutting it off at some point in the game. Like, I, I, that's fine. Like, I don't know if I'd do it in the seventh inning. I'd probably do it more in the ninth inning. I'd say ninth inning, clock's off. And then you ensure, even though I don't think this will ever happen, but for Pete's sake, uh, I ensure no game will ever end on a walk-off violation. <laughs> so I'm okay with shutting it off in the ninth inning. Idea number two, this isn't an idea. This is a comment by Buck, and he's he's right, but I want to kind of defend myself on it. In talking about the speed-up rules, not just the pitch clock, but everything in trying to speed this game up, he says, I see a lot of people writing good things about it. Be careful about who loves the speed-up rules. Be careful of the writers and the broadcasters. And I totally get Buck's point. It's a point I've actually made about the 10th inning rule, which is these guys want to go home. You know, sports writers... And a lot of them do a great job, but they want to go home. They're done. They work for five hours. They want to go home. CC Sabathia said it as a baseball player. I don't get paid overtime. He wants to go home. Broadcasters, Howie Rosa said it. They want to go home. So I've always used that argument of who cares if you want to go home against the extra inning rule. Buck brings it up, not against the pitch clock, but you just say, hey, Be careful about what people say. And he's spot on about it. Like, I don't want to hear someone's opinion because of their selfishness in terms of work. Now, for anyone who's saying, Evan, that's you. It's not me. It's not work. I I go to baseball games. I pay money to go to baseball. I watch plenty of baseball games that I wouldn't even have to watch for work. I love the sport of baseball. Genuinely. You see, you can't. You use that argument against me. You score spring training games. That's right. That is the level of baseball lover you are. Okay. Let's be serious here. Yes. So my reasoning for liking the speed up rules is that I think things have gotten out of hand. I just think things have gotten worse over the last 15 years. Now I admit that the clock will turn things to a time that I probably never even witnessed. Like it's going to move at such a pace that it's going to go to like a 1970s level, which I'm not used to. But I, I think that's beautiful. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And that's not because I want to go home. It's because there was just too much downtime in the game. And I think it was bad for the health of the game. And I don't think it was good. So I get Buck's point about be careful about people's opinions and why they have them. All I could tell you if you listen is I'm being genuine. I don't have an ulterior motive for loving the pitch clock. I just think it makes the game better. And I've watched the WBC. I was all over the Colombia-Mexico game, the USA-Great Britain game. I've watched a handful of these WBC games. And there are times, I don't want to say it's overwhelming, but there are times in which it's noticeable, in which you say, damn, wish we could throw that pitch clock in there. I'm not saying it's happening all the time, but it definitely does pop up. And the other thing, too, is you talk about the writers, you talk about the broadcasters. There's also this other side of it, too, where there's a lot of people that just don't like baseball, and they like to put their input in there as well. And like to be like, oh, the game is boring, you got to do something to speed it up. Those people will not watch baseball, even if you change it to five innings and two outs per inning and make it an hour and a half game. They're not watching. So I agree. That's the other side of it as well, you know? 
Yeah, it, it's similar to when a jackass like me makes a comment about how to make soccer better. You know, I'm not going to watch it, even if you take my dopey rule. I don't like soccer, so why would you care about my idea? And I and I always say that whenever we talk about soccer right around the World Cup, I, I admit it, I say, I don't get this stoppage time. It makes no sense to me, but screw me. You could go fix the stoppage time. I'm never going to start watching soccer. You know, I don't think there's anything you could do that's going to make me watch soccer. So my opinions on how to make it better, why the hell would you ever want to listen to me? Uh, The other idea Buck had, he was talking about the schedule this year, which we have a whole podcast on if you want to go back into the archives of Rico Bronia, how the Mets are playing every team in baseball. They have more balanced the schedule than ever before. So – The Mets will take on teams in their division as opposed to 19 times. They'll take them on 12 times. They'll take on teams outside of their division, but in the league, either six or seven times. And then they'll play interleague games against everybody three times with the exception of the Yankees that they will play four times. So a much more balanced schedule. Buck says it should be even more balanced and that you should face every team the exact same amount of times with his reasoning being, why should you make the playoffs based on just beating up a crappy division? Totally get his point. But to do that, you got to get rid of divisions. If you want to have the most balanced schedule ever, you basically have to turn into the NBA where there's an Eastern conference and there's a Western conference. And while there are divisions in the NBA, trust me when I tell you they mean nothing. They used to mean something. They mean absolutely nothing. Like winning your division helps you in the second tiebreaker. So like I give you a quick example. If the Knicks and the Heat were tied at the end of the season, they would go by head-to-head, right? But if head-to-head was tied, then they'd give the Heat the edge if they won their division. Like, okay, great. I mean, it means nothing. Winning an NBA division means absolutely nothing. Winning a baseball division still means something. So to do Buck's idea, you'd have to scrap the divisions. You'd have to say there are 15 teams in the National League. You're going to play every team the same amount of times, and then we're going to rank them one through six, and that's how you make the playoffs. Would you want that, Pete? No, I'm kind of actually bothered that we have to – take away from the divisional games already. Like, I think it's more important. I really do think that it's important to play more divisional games because it's, it's, you want, that's the goal is to win the division, right? Is it important? Isn't that the idea? Absolutely. But Buck's points fair when he says, why should you make the playoffs for beating up on a crappy division? And I have an answer to that, by the way, not the answer Buck gave, but there's an answer to solving his issue. And it's actually what I was hoping MLB was going to do with their mini realignment. I mean, it wasn't really realignment, the playoff change from a year ago uh, with, with the lockout, you know, they obviously changed the playoff format. What I was hoping for was to go back to two divisions uh, an NL East and NL West, where there are eight teams in each division. Actually, no, it'd be eight and seven, unfortunately. Until we expand. I was thinking about expanding, but you can't. So it's eight and it's seven for now. And automatically, three teams from each division make the playoffs. And so 
you can have your unbalanced schedule where you're facing your division a lot, but don't worry. It doesn't matter. You're not beating up on them to beat out another division team. You're locked in on three teams in each division. I'd have the second best team play the third best team in the first round of the playoffs. Winner faces the division champion. So the division champion is automatically in the divisional series. The wild card series is a true wild card series with the two wild cards from the NL East playing each other, the two wild cards from the NL West playing each other, and then the winners facing the divisional winner in a best of five divisional series. It actually makes the names make sense. But besides that, besides the playoff format, the reason it works is you're having an even amount of teams from each division make the postseason because Buck's idea, it just doesn't work math-wise. Now, if you have every team, like, okay, let's take out the calculator. There are 30 teams in baseball, which means you're playing 29 of them. If you go 162 divided by 29, that's 5.58 games. So basically, you're playing every team six times, which means a team would only come in once. Every single team. The Phillies would come in once, just like the Royals would come in once, just like the Brewers would come in once, just like the Angels would come in once. I don't think that's good. Like that, I would, I, I, I disagree with Buck because you want your rivals to matter. And they matter sometimes because you're competing for the same thing, but also you're playing them more times. And the more times you play somebody, the more there is to hate them. We have a whole podcast that's going to be ded- dedicated to the radical realignment. So I'm going to save my crazy-ass idea for that podcast. But if there is a way to make it not – I don't want to say, yeah, I, I, I think that it, it's important. The impact, the rivalries, you can't just make it all bland. You can't play everybody the same amount of time. It just makes it boring. So to, to play a team over and over, to have the Marlins be someone that's always a thorn in our side, even though they're crappy half the time, they still find a way to beat us at the worst possible time. It's important. No, I get you. I, I totally get you. I do. I mean, this year, the Mets are going to play the Marlins 13 times. You know, it's the I am so curious because I I'm trying to be honest about this. I don't know how I'm going to feel about this format until we live it. Now, sometimes it's easy to have an opinion on something before it occurs. But then there are certain things where you're like, I don't know, I kind of have to experience it. And then I'll tell you if I hate it or if I love it and playing the Braves 13 times instead of 19 times. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to love it. Playing every team in Major League Baseball, I guaranteed three times. Am I going to love it? I don't know. I think it's fun from a road trip standpoint, which is completely selfish. But from a baseball standpoint, is it important that the Mets play the Chicago White Sox every single season? I don't know. So, So right now, the Mets play teams outside of their division, but in the National League, either six or seven times. That's how it works. So just quickly for a breakdown, they play the Cardinals seven times. They play the Brewers seven times, but the rest of that NL Central, they play six times. The Reds, the Pirates, the Cubs. In the National League West, they play the Diamondbacks seven times. They play the Giants seven times. They play the rest of the division, the Dodgers, the Padres, and the Rockies six times. Only a one-game difference, so it's not huge. And with interleague play, they play everybody three times, except for the Yankees, who they play four times, which is not terrible because there was a time, Pete, 
where the Mets would play the Yankees six times every single year. And the Braves would play the Yankees zero times. And that always drove me nuts. Like, come on, the Mets are going to play the Yankees six freaking times and a team in the division isn't going to see them one time? At least now, the Braves are going to play the Yankees three times. The Mets are going to play the Braves four times. To me, that's that's not a big, a one-game difference, kind of like in league out of division where they're playing the Cardinals seven times, but they're playing the Cubs six times. Not a big, it's negligible. It's not. It's not horrific. So I do like the fact that we're no longer subjugated to having to face the Yankees an absurd amount of times more than other teams in our division. That's fine, but I also don't need to see Oakland every year. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need to see the A's every year. I feel like that That to me is like, it's not important. To, to, to It's it's kind of more special almost when you see Seattle come to town once every four or five years or whatever it is. Like, I, I feel like it's, it adds a little, like, like you say, like, you like the rivalries and those are not rivalries, but it's nice to kind of have that like, oh, I have to see, you know, Julio uh, Rodriguez or whatever hop in, you know? Yeah, but but in fairness to that point, like I totally get now feeling that way, but you don't know if in four years the Oakland A's have this emerging young star that we're going to want to see once a year. So I know it's Oakland. We could easily make a joke. Yeah, right. And they'll develop him and trade him in two years. Maybe so, but it's cyclical. So right now, facing the Kansas City Royals is boring, but in 2016 – it would have been like, whoa, World Series rematch. So I think with American League teams, we got to remind ourselves, yeah, there's going to be a bunch of teams that we don't give a crap about watching, but it's cyclical. And we'll do it on our next pod. I, I kept mentioning we'll do a big pod about radical realignment. And the reason we haven't done it yet is because there always seems to be enough Met breaking news throughout the week that are worthy of discussing. So once we get a quiet couple of days, which maybe will happen now, hopefully, because it means no injuries, We'll spend some time on radical realignment. We'll also have uh, something I used to do a lot on the Evan Roberts podcast. That is a Mets versus Yankees bet edition. Me and Ernie Acosta, who used to produce the midday show, would every year make Yankees versus Met bets, which you can follow at home and make those bets against your Yankee fan friends. So we'll do that also as we get closer to opening day, which is only a few weeks away. You can email the pod, the Rico B at gmail.com. We appreciate you emailing and interacting with the pod. And obviously you can tweet out at us anytime. Uh, we will be back with another Rico Brony in a couple of days. You can check out Pete Hoffman with Tiki and Tierney, me and Craig, two o'clock on the fan. We appreciate you listening and downloading Rico Brony. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. 